0: You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. We are going to finish our series on light, L I G H T. And I'm going to move this further up so it doesn't fall out. L I G H T. And as I was studying and reading a couple weeks ago, I came across a scripture in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 2, verse 5. And the prophet Isaiah is writing to the house of Israel, and he says, O house of Jacob, the entire people group of Israel, come and let us walk in the light of the Lord. And it kind of gathered my attention because that seems like if it's something that he's saying to an entire people group, it's a pretty important thing. He's not just talking to one household, he's talking to an entire people group, and he's telling them to come and walk in the light of the Lord, which means there is another place that they were walking at the time that was not in the light of the Lord. And if you read in Isaiah 2, it talks about how they had made idols, and they were serving other gods, and they were hanging out uh, with, with the Gentiles at the time, other foreigners that they weren't supposed to, and it was influencing their culture and influencing their religion and influencing their relationship with God. And so Isaiah, as a prophet, has a word to the entire people group, and he says, come out of that. Come out of the darkness. Come out of the evil. Make a choice today to come and let us walk together in the light of the Lord. Now it makes, you know, we read about that way back in Isaiah, and we think, does that still apply to me in 2022 in the middle of July? But then we read and we see a scripture and we see the writings of Paul, and Paul seemingly talks a lot about the light. He talks about the light of the Lord a lot. In Ephesians chapter 5, I don't have it up there, but we talked about it last week, 5, 8, Uh, The second part of that scripture, B, it says, walk as children of the light. And Paul's writing this letter to the church of Ephesus. He's writing it to the Gentile church with the understanding it's going to be read in that church, but it's also going to be read in several other churches in that surrounding area. What he doesn't know is that the Holy Spirit is inspiring him to write this. So it's not only read during his time period, but it's also read for the rest of human history, as long as we're around, that we can read the Bible and be encouraged in the Gentile church for all of humanity to walk as children of the light. So when I read that and the Lord brought me to Ephesians, reminding me of that scripture, all of a sudden I took a step back and said, well, that's probably something important. If a whole people group and the whole Gentile church is being told to walk as children of the light, then we need to study and we need to find out what that means. So I went on this journey and started studying it and I said, I'm going to break it down in how we spell light, L-I-G-H-T. And last week we talked about L and we talked about I. We started talking about learning how to come into the light of the Lord. Well, what is the light of the Lord? We see Jesus, God speaking prophetically about the Messiah in Isaiah 42, where he says that Jesus is going to be the light to the Gentiles. We see in 1 Timothy, where Paul is talking about where uh, light is revealed through the gospel. And then we saw in Ephesians that it says that Christ will give you the light. So how do you get the light? It's through salvation. It's through believing the gospel message. It's through Jesus giving himself to you and to me. And the second letter that we talked about was, I identify the benefits of walking in the light of the Lord. So we learned how to walk in the light of the Lord. It's through salvation. It's through the gospel. It's through Jesus. Jesus is giving Him, giving us his light. And that's great, but why should I walk in there? Because sometimes to some people, just Jesus telling you and giving you something isn't good enough. So God being an abundant God, he says, you know what? You might doubt You might not believe, you might not think that's not good enough, so I'm going to show you some added benefits to why you should walk in the light of the Lord. So we need to identify the benefits. The first benefit we talked about was being separated, that light was separated from the darkness, that we have been separated from the darkness. We have been conveyed out of the power, the authority of darkness, Colossians says, and we've we've been brought into his kingdom of light. What we're going to do now is pick up, In the second benefit, which is G, and we're going to look at Scripture, John 8, verse 12. John 8, verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And so our next truth is G. Our next benefit is get direction in the light of the Lord. So we learn how to come into the light of the Lord. We identify that there's benefits. One of the benefits is be separated. Another benefit is to get direction. When you're in the light of the Lord, you get direction. Jesus is speaking, and he says when Jesus spoke to them and say, I am the light of the Lord. And then he says, he who follows me. Direction. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness. That's a pretty powerful statement. That Jesus says, I am the light of the Lord. I am the light of the world. If you follow me and you follow Jesus, then you shall not walk in darkness. That's a pretty big benefit right there. Not only are you receiving direction to follow Jesus, but the direction that he's taking you is away from sin, is away from evil, is away from sickness, is away from disease, is away from everything that is incorporated with darkness. When you walk in the light of the Lord, God gives you direction. If you follow Jesus, then you'll not walk in darkness. Are you tired of sinning? Are you tired of walking and giving into darkness? Well, the answer is to simply follow Jesus. Amen. Simply follow his word, and he'll lead you out of that sin. He'll lead you out of that. Well, I can't overcome it. I, can't. I keep trying, and I keep failing, and I keep falling. Exactly. That is why God sent Jesus, because we couldn't do it on our own. We couldn't come out of that darkness on our own. It was too dark. There was no direction. And Jesus showed up as the light, and he said, Follow me, and I'll take you out of that darkness. I'll bring you out of it, and I'll bring you into the light of life. But let's see why Jesus is saying this statement. What is the story behind... What Jesus is doing in regards to this specific, what made him say, I am the light of the world. If you read earlier in John chapter 8, it's actually talking about the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. And the religious leaders at the time, it says, they go and find this woman caught in the act of adultery. I thought it took two to tango, but they just brought the woman to Jesus they drag her into the middle of the town, naked, crying, scared, hysterical, because she, being a woman, being a Jew, knows what the price and the penalty is for committing adultery. Everybody knows. Remember, the highest point of, of understanding what the old covenant was and what the law was was you do good, you get good, you get blessed. You do bad, you get bad, you get cursed. That, at the highest level, is what the old covenant was about. God says, I want to bless you if you do good, if you follow my laws, if you follow my commandments, then you'll be blessed. If you don't follow them, then there's going to be a penalty, there's going to be a price, there's going to be a curse. Now, no longer in the the old covenant is still in effect with the Jewish people, but it doesn't apply to us because in Galatians it says, Christ has redeemed us from the Curse of the law. So now we get all the benefits of the law. We get all the benefits of the old covenant, and God has completely removed the curse away. And we get the new covenant on top of that. Thank you, God. What a blessing. But this woman is brought there in front of Jesus, and they say, You know the law, Jesus. They don't, at the time, believe that he's the Messiah. They don't believe that he's God. They're trying to trick him. But in all reality, he is God, and therefore he wrote the law. So he knows the law better than all of the religious leaders. He knows exactly what it's supposed to do and exactly what's supposed to happen. The woman, being a Jew and being a woman, knows exactly the price and the penalty of her actions. And as they're all gathering stones, as they're all getting ready, to bring justice to someone who had broken the law, to bring the curse upon her. It says that Jesus bends down in the sand and he starts writing. And he says, he who has no sin can cast the first stone. And it says from the oldest to the youngest, they drop their rocks and they say, well, we're not going to have a party today. And they start leaving one by one. In John chapter 8, verses 10 and 11 is where we jump into the story. And it says, when Jesus has raised himself up, now he's in the ground riding on the dirt, he stands up, and saw no one but the woman. And he says to the woman, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And verse 11, she says, no one, Lord. This is where we see that we get direction in walking in the light. And Jesus says, neither do I condemn you, go direction and sin no more. a beautiful picture of grace. She deserved every rock thrown at her for breaking the law. she deserved the penalty of that. And then the next statement Jesus says is, "I am the light of the world. Jesus could have said anything at that moment because remember in John, I believe there's eight different I am statements. Jesus says, "I am the vine." I am the good shepherd. I am the light. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. He could have said any of those statements at that moment, but the moment there, he decided to say, I am the light of the world. And when you walk into the light, there are two things that happen one, you get direction, and two, there's no condemnation. Praise God. There's no condemnation. There's no condemnation. Neither do I condemn you. Well, how can the light say that? Because earlier we read that Jesus is the light to the Gentiles. Jesus is the light. And it says that he gives the light. So he chooses who he's going to condemn. And he chooses to not condemn any of us. Praise God. In Proverbs chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, Proverbs 4, 18 and 19, King Solomon is writing one of his Proverbs, the smartest, wisest man. God comes to him and asks him what he wants, and he asks for wisdom. And God says, because you ask for wisdom, I'll give you everything else. And he writes in Proverbs four eighteen a very wise statement. But the path of the just or the righteous is like the shining sun. That shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. The perfect day is when I'm standing before Jesus... The perfect day is when I'm standing in heaven, when I'm with all the other men and women of the faith, when I see God for who he is, when I see my savior and my Messiah in front of me, and I see the nail scars in his hands, in his feet, and I see the pierced side, and I see the stripes on his back, and I see him as a lion, but I see him as a lamb. I see him as the king, and I see him as the Lord. I see him as the savior, but I also see him as my friend. That's the perfect day But there's direction that God wants to give us on that path by shining the sun over us. To get there, he doesn't want you to. Because look at verse 19. The way of the wicked, uh uh-oh, is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know which way what makes them stumble. In every one of our lives, the power has gone out in our house. In the middle of the night, and it's even worse when the power goes out and you have children in your house because all of a sudden we have sound machines in our kids' rooms and they have little night lights and they have a little sound playing, that white noise that's playing, and, and we shut their doors so that we don't make a lot of noise once they go to bed and that they'll sleep hopefully prayerfully all night. But when the lights go out, and that sound machine goes off, and those lights go off, and there's thunder or lightning or whatever, and those kids start crying, doesn't matter how dark it is, you just start making your way to the room to get there as quick as you can to comfort them. We've all done it before, and we have some type of knowledge of our house, where I can maneuver around here, I know there's a, a drawer here, I know there's a bed here, but without fail... Our pinky toe loves wrapping itself around something that we didn't know was there at the moment. I remember when I was in high school, I believe, I don't think I was in middle school, I think I was in high school at the time, uh, my youth pastor was ex-military, he was an ex-army guy, and he decided uh, that he didn't want to take us to camps, like actual big Christian camps anymore, he wanted to put on his own camp. And so he came up with the idea of putting us through boot camp and taking us to boot camp. It's a terrible idea, but. (laughs) And so we would all go, we'd get in these big buses and we would drive out in Louisiana somewhere to a state park that they had rented with a bunch of cabins. And it was actually really fun as kids because we were We were dumb and young, and uh, we watched TV and played video games, and we didn't move that much, especially during the summer. And so he was trying to get us uh, motivated physically, mentally, spiritually, and a lot of kids just threw up uh, for doing too much physical exercise. But what would happen is we would get there at night on these buses, and, and all the leaders would be dressed in fatigues. And it would be just like boot camp. They would get on the bus, they'd start yelling at you, you'd get off the bus, they'd be throwing your bags at you, and then you'd line up in teams, green, blue, red. I was on red, red, enough said was one of our uh, mottos. And we'd build a flag and we'd march throughout. I mean, whoever else was in the state park had to think we were crazy. Um, And we would play games and each team was responsible for making a breakfast, lunch, or dinner every day. So you'd wake up early and you'd make breakfast, and if you weren't making breakfast, you'd do PT. So 6 a.m., I mean, I'm probably selling this camp to kids real good, but 6 a.m., you'd wake up to the horn, and they'd come flip your mattress and wake you up, and you'd go out and run, or you'd go cook breakfast, and you'd play games, and then at night we would have services, then we'd play night games. And one of the night games that we played was kind of like a tag, uh, it was called Underground Church, and, and our youth group loved it, because at the end of service, they would shut off all the lights. And all the leaders would come in, and they'd be yelling and hooping and hollering, and our youth pastor would come up to the front, and he says, you are an underground church that has been found in a foreign country, and you have been captured by the government, and it's your job to escape the government and find, and they have a flashlight hiding out in the woods somewhere, that was the secret underground church that you were safe from. So it was pitch black, and the first team that got there won some points, and and you would win the night. And so everybody would just disperse through this state park, which is really not safe at all. I mean, there's spiders and and water and swamps, And, and, and the leaders would be trying to find you. And there was this one moment where one of the leaders was trying to find me. It's pitch black. We're in the state park, and I come around the corner of this building, and I'm running away from one of the leaders who's trying to catch me and put me back in jail or whatever. And I see, as I turn the corner, the AC unit, and the building. And I said, well, if I go around the AC unit, then he's going to catch me. But if I go between the building and the AC unit, then I'm going to be safe and I'm going to get away from him. Little did my little high school brain know that there is a metal box that connects the AC unit to the building. How does that get, how does the AC air get into the building? Well, I didn't know that. And in the pitch black, I hit this thing full force right up below my knee. And I flip over it and I'm rolling in the grass and I am writhing in pain, crying probably, but trying not to. And the leader comes around the corner and he says, Oh, I got you. And I'm just balled up in a corner grabbing. He said, like, what's wrong? I said, oh, I hit my leg. So he brings and he shines that light down here, and it's instantly black and purple as there's a deep gash in my leg. And he's like, well, you should probably go to the jail anyway to get that bandaged up. But in verse 19 of Psalms, it says, the way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. I didn't know what I hit. I didn't even know because I didn't know there was a connection there. I just saw the AC because I could barely see through the darkness. I didn't know what caused me to stumble and fall down. So many people in life are so used to walking in darkness that they think they can still get by. Well, it's okay if I accidentally bump into something or I fall down or I sin again, whatever. I'll get back up and, and I'll overcome it. I'll do whatever but the darkness constantly causes you to stumble. But it's the light that gives you direction. It's the light that shines on your life. Because you can stumble through the darkness and barely get by. But why would you? It says here that you'll stumble. doesn't mean that you'll fall down forever. In the darkness, you'll stumble. You'll get back up. You'll stumble. But what type of life is that to live when? Prophet Isaiah is saying, come, walk in the light. And when you walk in the light, it'll shine and open up to see the next steps that you have. He wants to provide direction in your life currently and your future so that you do not stumble but succeed. We know this scripture, Psalms 119, 105. We've, we've read and talked about this scripture before. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The beauty of God's word. It's a lamp unto my feet right here in my right now situation. God wants to shine light on your situation right now. He wants to give you direction on your situation right now, but he also wants to provide a light for your path for your future so that your future isn't what it's been in the past, but there's something different. There's a new direction. There's a new way to go. You're not stumbling anymore. You're not falling over the same thing over again. Now that I've got this light, I can see, oh, I used to fall over that. I used to have anger issues. I used to have depression. I used to have insecurities. I used to deal with this, this, and this. But now, because the light has shown me direction, I can step over it. I'm not going to fall for that same trap that the devil is trying to put in my path. Because you get direction when you walk in the light of the Lord. The next one, the next benefit, and the last benefit, and we'll finish with H and T. Help share the light of the Lord. We learn, we identify, we get direction, and now we help share the light of the Lord. 1 John 1 verse 7 shows us how we can help share the light of the Lord. But if we walk in the light, not walking in darkness, we make a choice to walk out of the darkness and go into the light with the help of Jesus as he is in the light. Why wouldn't we want to be in the light? If Jesus is there, I want to be there we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ his son look at this cleanses us from all sin when we step into the light all of our sin is washed away all of our sin is forgiven all of our sin is removed when we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another another reason to come to church because this is a beacon of light this is the house of light we believe God is here and God is light. So when we come together, we all have pieces of light in us. And we come together, we fellowship with one another. We help each other. We build each other up. We speak into each other's lives. Matthew 5, 14, 15, and 16, Jesus spoke back in John. He says, I am the light of the world. But now Jesus reverses the tables and he puts it on you and he puts it on me. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Verse 15 says, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Look at that. Look at the beauty of that. As a husband, as a father, as a mother, as a wife, if you shine your light, if you show Jesus in your household, it says, all who are in the house will see the light. All in the house My kids aren't going to deal with darkness, not going to allow it, because me and my wife are walking in the light. So therefore, everyone who's in my house, everyone who comes to my house, if you just come to visit, if you come to eat, if you come to stop by, I expect and pray that you have an encounter with God. You don't feel darkness when you step into my house. You don't feel darkness when you step into the church. You feel the light of God shining and radiating in my house And hopefully in your house. Verse 16, let your light so shine before men. Help share the light of the Lord. Why? So that they may see your good works. And not to pat you on the back, but to glorify your Father in heaven. To glorify your Father in heaven. When we introduce people to the light, when we tell people about the light of the Lord, it helps them get their sin removed. It helps them further their relationship with God. They glorify their Father in heaven, Romans 13, 12, Romans 13, 12, the night is far spent, the day is at hand, therefore let us, something that we have to choose, something that we have to make a priority in our lives, cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light, it's a choice, remember darkness doesn't have authority on you because you're already in the light, Jesus has already saved you, But sometimes we fall back into the darkness, and we forget, and we think that the darkness has control. We think it has power. But no, no, no. He that the sun sets free is now free indeed. You can shake off that darkness. You can let go of that darkness, and you can walk into the light at any time. Don't keep... Uh, dwelling in self-pity, saying, well, I can't believe I sinned again. I can't believe I I just did it again. I guess I'll do it tomorrow because I did it today, and I thought God forgave me, but I'll wait till Sunday. And No, 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 no. Come out of that darkness. Just walk out of it. Let go of the darkness and say, you know I'm going to put on the armor of light, and I'm going to go to war to overcome these things with God's help on my side. After Acts chapter 2, we just got done talking with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit falls on those in the upper room. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John go to the temple. They go to church like they always do, like they saw Jesus do. And they come across a guy who is lame, who has been sitting at the gate of the temple for many, many years. Everybody knows him. He's always asking for alms. He's always asking for help in some capacity. Hey, can you get me a burger? Hey, can you give me five bucks? Can you, can you help me? And no doubt, Peter, James, and John, in some way, shape, or form, have probably helped this guy before. They've probably thrown a couple shekels into his hat as they've walked by. They've probably waved and said hi. they probably said, hey, God bless you. They've probably had some type of interaction with him before. But there was something different when Peter and John saw him. And they saw him And they said, today we're not going to meet this temporary need. We're going to meet a need that's going to change his entire life. I can meet a temporary need, but he's going to ask me for something tomorrow. But if I show him the light of the Lord, it's going to change his light forever. And we know the story. He says, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, the light of the world, rise up and walk. And he grabbed him and pulled that man up. And all of a sudden, as he is up in the air, a miracle starts happening. And his bones start growing, and the muscles start growing back, and the nerves start going down to his feet. And all of a sudden, his memory is recycled on how to walk again. A man who has not walked, a man who whose legs are probably atrophied and shrunk and tiny, all of a sudden this miracle happens because he is walking and leaping and praising God. And no longer is he asking for a temporary uh, thing to meet. Now he has the ability to go out and meet his own needs with God's help. Because somebody decided to help share the light of the Lord. In Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 5, this is the man, so he being the man... Gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. You see, that's what's happened with the American church. The world has stopped expecting to receive something from us. In a grander scale. They're still expecting us to meet their temporary needs. And I'm not saying it's wrong to help meet those temporary needs. Somebody's inevitably going to come in here or see us out there and they say, Don't you go to that church? Well, can you pay my bill? Can you buy me a sandwich? Can you give me 20 bucks? Well, yeah, I can do that. But that's only going to meet a temporary need. Let me tell you about the light of the Lord. We as the church need to remind the world to look back to us and expect something from us. And not just a $20 bill, not just a hamburger, but miracles, signs, and wonders, and introducing them to the light of the Lord, to bring them out of darkness and bring them into light. I'm not trying to bring you out of poverty into great riches. I'm trying to bring you out of hell and bring you into heaven. That's my goal. That's the church's goal. And in verse 6, It says, then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And then verse 11, now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John. I bet you he was. All the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. When the world out there starts hearing and seeing about an almighty God doing miracles inside of here, what happens is going to happen in verse 11. They're going to start running back to the church, and they'll be greatly amazed when we start shining our light, not just in the church, but outside as we walk around, and God reveals to us people that need help and need to experience the light of God to pull them out of the darkness, all of a sudden, the churches will start filling back up. Something has happened in the American church, and we've lost sight of being excited about miracles, signs, and wonders. And we've gone into this show atmosphere. And we've gone into this thing where we just want to help meet the temporary needs. Meeting the temporary needs is great. And we try and do it as much as we can here. But I don't want to do that. I want to meet the eternal needs. I want to help bring you into the light of the Lord. Go and share your light with the Lord with others. People are looking to you and looking to the church, expecting to receive something from them. My question to you and to me, what are we going to give them? People are looking. That lame man was looking, expecting to receive something. I could give you 20 bucks, but I also want to give you something else. Let me pray on you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. Come out of that sin. Come out of that darkness. Come out of that disease. Give them the light of the Lord so they can be cleansed from their sin and glorify their Father in heaven. You are the light. And I'm finishing. I've got two scriptures left. The beauty of the Bible. In Genesis chapter 1, the first thing that God talks about is light. He separates light from darkness. The very first thing that God says is, let there be light. Light seems to be on God's heart a lot. And if we go all the way to the end of the book in Revelations chapter 22, not only the end of the book, but the last chapter of the book, look at this. And there shall be night, no night there, talking about heaven. They, being us, being you and me, need no lamp nor light of the sun. For the Lord God, He's still giving you light. He's given you light today, He's given you light all throughout your life, and He wants to give you light for the rest of eternity, and they shall reign forever and forever. God is all about the light of the Lord. He's all about shining on you, shining on your situation, shining on you to help you, but he also wants to put that light in you. You are the light of the world, so you can go out and shine to others. There's two famous fighting announcers in boxing and in mixed martial arts, and they just so happen to be brothers. The first one's Michael Buffer. You've probably... You might not know the name, but you've definitely heard of Michael Buffer's most famous line whenever he's introducing the fighters. Let's get ready to rumble. He coined, he uh, trademarked that phrase back in the 80s, that that's his phrase. According to Wikipedia, they said he's made over $400 million on somebody other than him uttering that phrase and using his trademark. Let's get ready to rumble. And he was doing that back in the 80s. And his father, who was uh, estranged from him, saw him and decided to connect with him and called him. Obviously, I'd be calling him too uh, if he was my son. (laughs) He said, hey, let's get ready to rumble uh, to the bank. And he says, I want you to meet your half-brother. So Michael said, I'll meet him. And his name is Bruce Buffer. Bruce Buffer was already into the mixed martial arts. He had a black belt and some type of karate, some type of mixed martial arts. And Bruce, Michael became Bruce's manager and started teaching him how to be an announcer and to help him get on his way. They formed a partnership. They formed a business. And now Bruce Buffer is one of the most famous UFC, the only UFC announcers out there. And he has a catchphrase. It's not let's get ready to rumble, but his catchphrase, and you can watch it on any UFC fight, is simply said, it's time. And every time he utters that phrase, it's time, and he does a UFC event, he gets anywhere from 50,000 to 100,000 for every event. And there's an event almost every month that he gets to stand up there and announce that it's time for the main event and it's time for letter T of our last truth it's time to start walking in the light of the lord when you decide that it's time to walk in the light of the lord and no longer walk in the darkness of the world you can receive all the benefits that go along with the light of the lord and the last scripture that i have is in isaiah 60 verses 1 2 and 3 and he's speaking to you and he's speaking to me today Arise and shine. It's time, for your light has come. It's time to quit walking in darkness. It's time to quit dabbling in between each and every one. Uh, I'm a sin, I'm falling into this. No, 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 it's time to come into the light, for your light has come today. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Verse 2 says, for behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. Boy, is this now more real in our lives than it's ever been. And deep darkness, the people. How many people aren't just in darkness? They're in deep darkness. They can't see where they're going. They can't see what they're doing. They're just doing whatever feels good, whatever feels right, whatever they enjoy. But look at this, not you, not me, not this church, but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will shine upon you. His light will shine upon you. In verse 3, Here's you and me again, all the way back in Isaiah. The Gentiles shall come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your light. L-I-G-H-T. Learn how to come into the light of the Lord. Identify the benefits of walking in the light of the Lord. Get direction in the light of the Lord. Help share the light of the Lord. And family, it's time to start walking in the light of the Lord. Walk in the light and be a light. Amen. Father, we thank you for giving us your light, sending us your son, Jesus. Father, we choose today. Father, the word in the scriptures, repent, means to change our mind. So, Father, we repent of walking in the darkness, and we change our mind and make a choice today, like it says in Isaiah, like it says in Ephesians, that we are going to come and walk in the light of the Lord. We are going to walk as children of the light. I'm not going to walk in darkness. I'm not going to walk as a child of depression. I'm not going to walk as a child of a sinner. I'm not going to walk as a child of somebody being sick. No, no, no. I choose today to walk as a child of the light, and when I do that, all the benefits I receive by walking in the light. I'm separated from the darkness. It has no power or authority over me. I get direction. I no longer stumble in the darkness, but I see what the next steps are that you have for me, and I see the traps that the devil's trying to lay for me. And then I'm going to learn to help others. I'm going to shine my light so that others can experience that light and see a change, not a temporary change, but an eternal change when they experience the light of the Lord. So I choose today, today, right now, July 2022, it's time to arise and shine and walk in the light of the Lord. Father, I thank you for these people. I thank you that they're blessed and highly favored. I thank you for those that aren't here, whether they're sick, whether they're traveling, whether they're on vacation. Father, in all of those scenarios, give them rest in the name of Jesus and bring them back safely whenever they return. Father, I thank you for these people that their hand... Everything they put their hands to prospers because the favor of God surrounds them like a shield. They have the mind of Christ, their body is the temple, and they are healed by the stripes of Jesus. Father, I thank you that we are the salt and light of the earth. We go out and we share this gospel message with everyone we come in contact with. Father, bless these people, protect them, cause them to prosper in everything they do. And Father, today we choose to walk in the light of the Lord. And Father, today we choose to trust you. I trust you. I'm coming out of the darkness and I'm coming into your light. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you all soon. Take care, family. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.